from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 201. Today's show is brought to you by MailRoute, Backblaze, and Squarespace. My name is Mr. Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. Congratulations. You just got married, and now we can call you Mr. Mike Hurley. I am Mr. Mike Hurley. Um, <laughs> people may care about that. People may not care about that. We're going to do Snell Talk, but at the end of this episode, we're going to do a very special Mike at the Matrimony, because Mike got married, and we're going to talk about it. People in the chat yep. room are remarking on the fact that I sound different. It's because I have spent the last few days speaking to lots and lots of people, so I don't have much of a voice left. We will talk about that later on in the show. Mm-hmm. We have a hashtag snow talk question because, Jason, you were here with me uh, in England. So we have a question from another Michael who wants to know for hashtag snow talk. Jason, what are your favorite British breakfast foods? Okay, so here's my breakfast report. Uh, I stayed at a bed and breakfast where they so they fed us breakfast every day. From the and bed. that was fun because we got the full. Well, no, you had to leave the bed and go out into the dining room, but they, they had the full English breakfast there, which I availed myself of. Um, and so I can say, I approve of the sausage. Mm-hmm. I actually approve of the bacon. The bacon that they served, you know, it's the the bacon is different in, in the UK and yeah. uh, Canada. Yeah. They have, I mean, we in the US they call it Canadian bacon, but it's back bacon. It's back taken bacon. from a different part of the pig, but mm-hmm. it's still smoked and stuff, and tastes like it tastes just like. US it tastes good. Bacon. It's just typically softer, right? Like I yeah, think that's one of the big differences. It, yeah, I think it, it freaks Americans out because the and of course my my family doesn't eat pork, so it was just me. But um, I it freaks Americans out. I think because it looks like it should be ham, but it tastes like bacon, and ham and bacon don't taste the same. There, it's a little bit different. But I liked it. I thought it was good. I got a a weird one which I tried, which was okay, which was um, a fried a fry bread. Um, yeah, that you yeah, could, and then bread. you could put, and then you could put. I put uh, beans on it. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty good. Uh, beans on to- sort of a almost beans on toast kind of thing. Although beans is weird. They uh, they grill up some tomatoes. I'm not interested in the tomatoes at all. And I had and I had eggs, and eggs are good. So, um, and I would say in a pinch, my favorite British breakfast food is probably a uh, a uh, digestive biscuit or two because oh. I love them. And I bought some of those while we were there. We were eating those. In the morning, and also on the on the plane back, and I'll also say that um, that uh, we went into a bunch of pretz while we were over there because sometimes okay. you're hungry or you need tea. And uh, this British uh, breakfast food called a croissant, it yes, was sorry, pretty good. good too. Yeah, I, th- I, the, think, I don't know uh, how you guys come up with that stuff. It called croissants, <laughs> crescents, a crescent, croissants, croissants, or something like that. Croissants, croissants. Saints. Uh, thank you to yep. Michael uh, for the question. Um, if you would like to send in a question to open an episode of uh, this show, then just go with the hashtag Snell Talk and it will be brought in potentially for the future. Now, of course, we are uh, in the summer of summer fun. Summer of fun. That is happening right now. This episode is oh, part man, of the summer it? of fun uh, because it has been very summery over here in England. Very, oh. very hot, nice and summer. It's been the summer of sun over here. Um, mm. But we are in the summer of fun. <laughs> this episode is part of the summer of fun uh, because I'm back. I think that <laughs> we yeah. weren't necessarily always expecting this to be the case, but here I am. But we do uh, 
last episode, which is a really fun episode, episode 200. Um, thank you to everybody who wrote in to say that they enjoyed the episode. Me and Jason really uh, loved putting that one together, so we're pleased that you liked it. Um, but we did, as you may have noticed, we have some new things for the Summer of Fun this year, um, including an incredible new Summer of Fun theme music, which we would like to thank the wonderful Chris Breen for putting together for us. That mm-hmm. will be playing all of our Summer of Fun episodes throughout the summer. Um, and also, of course, to Simon Buckmaster, the artist previously known as Frank Towers, uh, for his wonderful work on our Summer of Fun artwork as well. So we have those there. They are going to continue to uh, pleasure your eyes and ears as the summer rolls on. Um, yes. I have a piece of follow-up, Jason, from our last episode. We heard from a handful mm. of people who let us know that you, in fact, can see show notes and links in the Apple Podcasts app, and they're all nicely bulleted, as we would want. Potentially, the problem that led to me and you thinking that Apple Podcasts did not still show show, show notes is that uh, it, you only see them if you're subscribed to a show. If you start playing a show from the store and you're not subscribed to it, it won't show the show notes to you. So this is probably why we missed it. Um, I guess we can assume that this is a bug and that maybe it will be fixed in the future. Who knows? Um, but we don't use it at day in and day out, so I guess that's why we missed it. Right? Like, I don't have that's a true. long subscription list in the Apple Podcast app. I just go in and check around with things every now and then. So yeah, that's exactly it. I, I'll, yeah. I don't I don't subscribe to things because I don't want downloading things in the background when I'm not really. It's not my primary app, but mm-hmm. uh, I do go in there and poke around from time to time, and that's obviously. But I do want to say I'm very yeah. happy about the fact that it does show show notes now. I think that's great. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Should we do some upstream? Yeah, let's do it. There's still, I mean, just because I was wandering the countryside and you were getting married and all that doesn't mean that the world of uh, streaming media didn't continue to get weirder as we as we were doing, as we were distracted. <laughs> and uh, as it continues to do, so Apple have hired uh, a guy by the name of Joe Oppenheimer, who was working at BBC Films, to fill an international content role. They're going to be um, operating into the overall international team that has been set up which is being run by Jay Hunt. Um, right. So uh, Oppenheimer will be reporting into Hunt, but Oppenheimer will be based in London. So this is just another person who is known in the industry that Apple has swallowed up to help with their continued expansion into different markets and territories for how they're exactly. going to be creating and rolling out their programming. So it's not a huge piece of news, but other than, you know, just I think it once again underscores uh, how much importance they're playing in this because they're not just getting anyone to do this stuff for them they're not promoting people from the app store team to fill some of these roles they are bringing people from the industry into the company which is important yeah there's a there's this misconception that this is sort of like apple and there are a bunch of you know amateurs at the entertainment business doing this and that's not the case at all as we've detailed here they're hiring uh television and film executives to build this thing this is being built by the professionals and um uh you mentioned jay hunt uh she's a very well-known uh british uh tv executive and um and this this goes to the point of like where are they going to roll this out and what are their ambitions and it's very clear as you would think it's consistent with what Apple has been doing with all their services but their ambitions are global now that doesn't mean that they're going to roll out in every country they may only roll out in the U.S. or they may roll out in the U.S. with the U.K. and Australia behind them or they may 
they may roll out almost everywhere. It's possible if they're buying the rights, you know, to, uh, all the rights for these original shows. But there are some specific issues involving some countries want you to have content that is in that country or in that country's primary language. And there could be issues there. Um, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, Tim Goodman, who I do the TV Talk Machine podcast with. Um, he wrote a, a whole piece in the Hollywood Reporter about Apple and his speculation that Apple should probably buy a content company that there's mm-hmm. basically a feeding frenzy going on and he thinks Apple just needs to get in there and start snapping up stuff itself where well, you got AT&T, you got Disney trying to buy Fox. All of these things are going on and uh, he, his suggestion is, look, Apple needs to be in there. But um, one of the things he mentions is that uh, one of Apple's acquisitions, as we, I think, mentioned here, is a a French show and they didn't just buy the concept uh, for to, to do an English language version. They did that, but they also bought the streaming rights to the French language show. And that was another tell, right? Like, because I know that in France, I don't know the details, but that France is one of those countries where you have to have a certain threshold of content from the country. Um, They don't want to just be steamrolled by American culture, basically. And that's going to be part of Apple's challenge. It's not just the rights. It's, it's uh, following the regulations to provide content in all of these countries. So that's all going on too. There's a lot, lot, lot going on here. Um, including uh, an article, a report from the information, uh, which is uh, talking about things that I think we were have been just in on for a bit about Apple considering a subscription bundle, right? Yeah, exactly. This is a, a report from the information subscription site. Uh, but the the short version of it, I can read the, the the kind of key point here. Apple is considering creating a single subscription offering that would encompass its original TV shows, music service, and magazine articles. Remember, they bought the, that uh, that magazine subscription company. Uh, two people familiar with the company's plans told the information. Such an ambitious offering would bear some similarity to Amazon Prime, which spans video music and some news, yet it would be sharply different from many other subscription media services, which tend to be focused on one specific entertainment area. It's an interesting idea. Uh, John Gruber linked to this, and he and I have gone back and forth a little about about what we think is most likely from Apple. I think the truth is that it's probably not an either-or proposition. Even Amazon offers a streaming-only product in addition to the Prime product. Now, it's not priced uh, dramatically differently, but they, they, yeah, I, think it's, I think Apple could conceivably offer a video service as a standalone and also offer a bundle. The, the standalone might not be a really great deal, but they, they, you know, I think offering a bundle, bundling with Apple Music at, ver- at bare minimum is something that they would absolutely do. But I think, again, uh, you know, it's worth at least pondering what would happen if you had an Apple Prime, essentially. What would that be? And this report says they would roll in that sort of like access to magazine content and Apple Music and this video service. And then I guess my other question is what else would be in there? Would they throw iCloud storage in there too? Would it, you know, and I, I think, I mean, this seems to be right in Apple's wheelhouse, right? Like Apple's all about kind of just extending all the way around you and being like, yes, you have, we, here's all of the things. And right now I get, not a week goes by where I don't get a bill from Apple in my email for yep. something. Something. Because yep. I'm paying, right? Because I am I got Apple Music and then here's a rental and then here's my iCloud storage and, and it used to be, and then here's my wife's iCloud storage, but at least they now have the family plan for that. So there's always another invoice coming and wouldn't that be 
uh, a reasonable idea to to take a bunch of these digital services together and, and offer a you know maybe it's an all you can eat kind of approach, but something like that to say, I, look, I'm all in on Apple. Give me all the all the storage, you know, all the media subscriptions, and if it throws in magazine subscriptions and Apple News, you know, maybe even like newspaper access or something like that, like you could build a really interesting bundle there. Yeah, it seems like an inevitability that they would do it, but again, any 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 other kind of thing that could suggest it, any more report just lends credence to this. And you know, again, like who knows whether this is leaked or whether this is being spoken about in and amongst the people inside of Hollywood, right? Like as we said many times before, it can be a bit difficult to try and assign where some of this stuff is coming from. Um, AT&T have suggested that HBO need to consider themselves to be more like Netflix. Why is this AT&T's responsibility to talk about? Um, so AT&T bought Warner, Time Warner, basically, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't include, this is the best part of this, Time Warner doesn't include Time Warner Cable, already separate, doesn't include Time Magazine, the magazines were already sold off to Meredith, a different publishing company, who is in turn selling all of the news publications and sports publications, the the non-lifestyle publications, to other buyers. So that's all just kind of getting broken up. It has nothing to do with those. They bought the remaining pieces, which are a bunch of cable networks, TNT, TBS, um, they bought uh, Cartoon Network is in there, um, and then also... Um, the uh, Warner Brothers studio. So uh, they've got a they've got a studio. Well, HBO is part of that too. So a- AT and T owns HBO now. Wait, wait. I didn't know that. I... Last week, the uh, <laughs> last week the, uh, the the Syracuse family and the Snell family. Not to give away too many uh, little bits of personal information, but it's past now. You can't find us there. We went to the Harry Potter uh, studio experience outside of London, and it was a lot of fun. But um, all, all the time, I'm sitting there thinking, it's just more money for AT&T now, isn't it? It's just like, I got my phone, I got, I got the Harry Potter ticket. It's all AT&T now. AT&T owns Warner Brothers. And AT&T owns HBO. So, New York Times did a story where somebody recorded uh, this company meeting where Richard Plepler, who's the head of HBO, and we've seen him on stage at Apple events, was there with his new AT&T boss. And... You know, the story is really interesting. It's like what they really said to the employees, which is in many ways contradictory to what they said when they announced the deal, which is like HBO is doing great. It's very profitable. It makes HBO makes several billion dollars a year in profit. It's a it's a very successful business. But um, they said all that. And then they go to this meeting. And at the meeting, the AT&T guy is basically like, um, we're going to change your business. Uh, you're going to have to work way harder than you do now. I'm like, wow, this is, it, it set off all of the bells of every time we got new management in my old job and they all, they roll in and think they know how to run your business better than you, which let me tell you is, is never true. Like yeah. they, they, they can bring fresh ideas, but there is this tendency for people to, I think natural, it's human nature, um, people to, expect that they've figured out what the business is and and the, if you go with that then you realize that a year in you realize oh 
I didn't understand this business. Better to go in and say, I don't understand this business. I want to learn about it. And then we'll see what, what changes we can make. But that's not what this guy did. <laughs> and so if I was an HBO employee, I'd be like, oh, no. Because he's like, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to work long hours and it's going to be really hard for the next year. And I'm like, do you know you're sort of sending the message that you're basically saying you guys need to work harder? And, and, and that even though you make many billions of dollars in profit, it's not enough. That said... I think what's really interesting about it, and there was another a piece that followed that uh, I think encapsulated a lot of my thoughts about this pretty well, which was on IndieWire, and we'll put that link in the notes too, is this idea that HBO is this really nice, boutique, profitable, high-quality content provider. But if you think back to when Netflix was talking about its aspirations, and it would say, we want to be HBO. Like, we want to be HBO before HBO becomes us, something like that, when they were doing original content for the first time. Well, the shoe's on the other foot here. This is AT&T saying, HBO is a great service with great content. Everybody loves it. And, and you know, they've got not just the cable, but they've got HBO um, now. So they've got the over-the-top service. So they're a streaming service with original content. But HBO kind of programs for one night. Like, they program for Sunday night. So... Um, what this AT&T executive said was basically, you, you you need to program for every day, not just every week, and because we're up against Netflix here. And I think what's smart about that, despite the fact that it really rubbed me the wrong way, some of the quotes from the guy, and I thought, really, like, you don't understand what HBO is, you know, be careful here. This may not be the best way to communicate what you want with the people at HBO, um, but what he's saying is you need to make more content because if we're going to compete with Netflix and we're going to charge what we're going to charge, we need more stuff. So HBO, you know, the positive spin on that is, are you going to give us a bigger content acquisition budget so that we can buy twice as many shows as we buy now? Um, I think that's a great opportunity for HBO if, if Warner and Warner Brothers and AT&T basically say, or Warner Media is what it's called now. And AT&T say, HBO is the battering ram we are going to use to beat Netflix. Uh, as a, with mainstream appeal as a, as a streaming service and also linear TV. We're going to use HBO. It's a great brand name. Everybody knows it. They have great content. Let's blow it up. Let's, let's make it as big as we can. I think that's actually not a bad strategy, except for the one issue that has come up a few times, which is, can HBO retain its image, its quality, all of those things, when it's programming two or three times as many shows as it is now? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but... It will be interesting to watch this because obviously HBO is in the uh, spotlight here with AT&T and that AT&T is not uh, content to say, hey, HBO, you're throwing off several billion dollars in profit every year. Great. Keep doing it. Instead, they seem to be very much like, could we use them to attack Netflix? Could we use them to as the, as the, the wedge to get more content and a, a more profitable streaming service to more subscribers. And uh, if I were taking over the ownership of HBO, I would be asking myself that question too. It's just interesting that somebody recorded the conversation <laughs> with the employees and played it back. But it's something to watch for sure. All right. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at MailRoute, the leaders mm. in email protection. Do you know... Who should be handling your email security and delivery? You want people who do only that, and that 
is MailRoute. In 1997, MailRoute's founder, Thomas Johnson, turned a problem into an industry. He was working as an IT consultant, giving away free mailboxes with hosted domains, and right away he saw that his time was just spent managing all of these free mailboxes, helping to save people from malicious spam and viruses. So he came to the conclusion that if he didn't solve this problem, he would be personally managing these same mailboxes for the rest of his life. And that's how hosted email protection was born. MailRoute's team has continued to focus on safe delivery of your clean email all the way back since 97. MailRoute solves problems and saves money for IT departments because they understand that email is the lifeline of your business. MailRoute protects your email from spam and viruses and guarantees mail access during outages. And it's, that's it. That's all they do. They do it better and they've been doing it for longer than anybody else. Jason, why do you use MailRoute? I use MailRoute because of everything you said. In fact, when I used to run my old mail server, I had to stop running my own mail server in my house because of all the spam connections. And this it, you expand this to a business. It's like if you're running your own server, your server is getting battered by basically incoming mail from spammers. And it can reject those, but it still is a huge amount of traffic. Plus then some of that mail gets accepted. It finds the right email address and it accepts it and it's bad and it's filling people's inboxes and it's potentially got uh, viruses and stuff attached to it and all sorts of bad stuff. And I just don't want to see it. And um, with MailRoute, I don't. Although the other thing that I really love is that I also get a, a little um, uh, daily uh, summary. Summary, exactly right, of what MailRoute has filtered, which is good if there's a false negative where there's something that I want to deliver. Um, I can click with one click and not only recover it into my inbox, but it whitelists the sender so that that person will always get through after that. But my favorite part of that is that I get to see what is uh, fashionable in spam subject lines from day to day, and it makes me laugh. So here's my uh, here's my mail route spam subject line of the week, Mike. Here it oh, is. Okay. Your branding on 10 by 10 pop-up tent. <laughs> Why would I not want a 10 by 10 pop-up tent with my branding all capital letters on it? I don't know. Maybe I should Maybe I should read that email. I'm not going to read that email. You can stop spam 10 by 10 tent related or otherwise today <laughs> with a free 30-day trial for MailRoute. Just go to MailRoute.net. That's M-A-I-L-R-O-U-T-E.net and use the promo code UPGRADE when you check out. Listeners of this show will then get 10% off for the lifetime of their account. Our thanks to MailRoute for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Jason, last week, a new option appeared in a developer center of, uh, yes. of Apple's, Apple's developer center that mm -hmm. led to me receiving many, many, many text messages. I was out at the moment. I was with some <laughs> friends at a bar and my phone, my phone nearly buzzed off the table and, and set itself ablaze because... And they were all from Federico Batista. All from Federico. And letting me know that you could register your interest to be a part of the Shortcuts app beta. Um, this was something that we had had our fingers crossed for that at some point during the iOS 12 beta process, there would be the ability to get a beta version of the Shortcuts app. And Apple has, has allowed for people to say, hey, I want in. And they are going to be and have been sending out test flight invitations in waves, it seems. Because there are some people that got in uh, pretty much the first day and then a couple of days later or a day later so they sent out some more um, and I got mine uh, I believe on Friday 
um, I got mine. Uh, actually, I do know it was Friday because it was the night before I got married and that was how I decided I would take my mind off things was by playing around with the Shortcuts app. <laughs> so I would like to thank Apple and the Shortcuts team for keeping my mind active when all it wanted to do was freak out. So um, it's a couple of things. We're just going to run, th- run through some observations and we can maybe talk about it a little bit. I know that uh, we, you've been traveling, I've been traveling or just moving around my own city a bunch. So yes. I haven't had the amount of time that I've wanted to spend of it yet, but I have been spending some time with it and poking mm-hmm. around. Um, one of the things I found the most interesting was that it's a, it is a brand new app. It doesn't replace the workflow app, at least in the test flight. Um, but when you open the app, all of your workflows are there. Like they're all just there and they all work. Um, and they've made some slight changes, which I like uh, to run a workflow. You just tap on the workflow now instead of like tapping on it and pressing play or double tapping it. And if you want to edit it, there's that like, three like that ellipsis in a circle that apple's been putting in a bunch of places and you hit that button um as a way to edit it uh i really had hoped and i know that they didn't mention this but i'd really hoped there'd be be some like folders or something right for you to put things in um Mm. which seems even even more logical now that activating the workflows are a single tap that you could put it right. in a folder, like how, like how apps work, right, on the home screen. Because <laughs> I'm going to end up with more and more and more shortcuts than I ever had workflows. So I would love some organization of them. Um, even though, of course, you know, the, the majority of time that I'm going to be interacting with these things is probably going to be via Siri. Um, when I'm going in and poking around, I would still like either folders or as Rosemary in the chat is saying, oh, Rosemary, by the way, is the host of a wonderful new show on Relay FM called Automators. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all about automation. It's her and David Sparks of Mac Power Users. Uh, it is the perfect time to get on board of automation because of things like shortcuts. Uh, I really, really recommend you go and listen to it at relay.fm slash automators, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Anyway, so uh, like I, I would love something, if some kind of organizational options. But again, I've, I find it like looking a gift horse in the mouth right now to be complaining about this app in any way. Because the stuff that they have given is mind blowing to me. Um, so I, you know, please, uh, everyone out there who may or may not listen, don't worry about it. Like, if I would like folders, but don't worry about it. Give me it later because there is so much more in this app than I ever could have imagined. So in the shortcuts that you can build, you can include things like toggling do not disturb, low power mode, connectivity options. Like you can turn off. Wi-Fi, you can turn on cellular, you can mess around with uh, airplane mode. You could even do stuff like get the current Wi-Fi network name, which I don't even know why you would need that, but you can do it. You can even set brightness and volume. Like, this is wild, right? I actually used the Wi-Fi network name on my Mac back when I was taking a laptop back and forth between home and work. I had a bunch of scripts that ran that basically wanted to know my location. You could do this with location now too, probably. But um, at that time, it was basically, if I'm on the work Wi-Fi network, then do these things. And if I'm on my home Wi-Fi network, then do these things, which uh, you would be able to do with that. Mm -hmm. So like, as I was saying this, I just came up with a new shortcut in my head for something that I've been wanting for a while. So one of my wishes for iOS 12 was do not disturb while watching a video. It's because when me and Adina sit down and like maybe we we want to watch something while we're eating, I want to make sure I always have Do Not Disturb on, so I leave it on all the time so it's not going to bug us. Well, now I could create a shortcut and just be like, ahoy telephone, movie mode, and it would turn on Do Not Disturb on my iPad, 
put up the volume I could do and the brightness. Right? Like I could adjust all of that stuff. And then I've got exactly what I need. So these are some of the incredible things you can do. You can run arbitrary JavaScript in Safari. Now, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure why this is so incredible, but everyone that I know that does understand this is freaking out about the fact that this is in there. Because all of these things, that including all of the other stuff, this is new. This isn't stuff that like has been held over from workflow days. And this is probably stuff that the workflow app never could have done. But and I would say it's it. What it reminds me of is the fact that Automator on the Mac can do some things, but the most powerful thing it can do is you can dump in Apple Script or a Shell Script or sort of like any number of things that are like other complexity that's out there. And when I see like run JavaScript out of a shortcut, it's a very similar idea that you know you're not just constrained to the shortcut. You can now. Um, add this sort of programming layer, scripting layer on top of it. Mm -hmm. And that's all happening on iOS. And again, because she's an expert, Rosemary has broken this down into one word for me that I can understand, bookmarklets. Bookmarklets, yeah. It's like now I get it, right? Because I use bookmarklets in my my web browser. And I also now cannot believe that I'll be able to do that on iOS. Um, URL schemes for third-party apps are supported and even highlighted. So when you're building, I love the new way of, of doing things. There's like... It's in this slide-up panel from the bottom when you're building a shortcut, and everything's broken down into categories. You have like broad categories like health and contacts and web, and then you can go down and you can look into certain apps, and it surfaces URL schemes for some of the apps that you use and even highlights some of them. And also, now I'm interested to see if this makes the shipping version, but applications that were previously in the workflow kind of database that had signed up and become, and like given their actions to workflow for them to be surfaced still show even if they're not installed. So I don't have Pinboard installed. Right. But I see Pinboard actions. Now, if you if this ships like this and you were one of those companies, like this is now shown to every like to to, to a much much wider audience than workflow ever would have reached here. So like this is this is some really interesting stuff there. Like I cannot believe that everything that was in the workflow app is here and it works and has been beefed up with stuff that they never could have gotten access to. Right. This is and when we've the last month when we've been talking about the best case scenario, this is sort of what we were talking about. I do feel like at this point, we're going to need to revisit our assumptions about, um, you know, what Apple does when it buys things or, you know, basically the, well, yeah. the assumptions we make about how Apple does things. Because what we see with shortcuts is, I mean, it, I mean, we could hope, but like if you had asked most people like, well, what's going to happen to workflow? They would have said, well, Apple's going to do what it does, which is swallow the team, integrate some of the technology in other places, but you'll never see anything that resembles workflow exactly. And that'll be the end of it. And that's not what happened. In fact, it was all the way on the other side, which is they took workflow, kept it around, turned it into shortcuts, added features, integrated it into the system. Right? I mean, so yep. it makes me it makes me look at this and think, when we're talking about, well, oh, we know what Apple will do with something. I think this is a very strong counter argument that maybe what we think of as what Apple does with some of this technology, well, like especially stuff right? it acquires. Isn't. We felt like yeah. we knew how PR was dealt with and then it totally. changed, right? And, and then and it changed. the way that they do releases. Like Gray has been saying this, and I am inclined to agree with him, that this might be one of the greatest acquisitions Apple's ever made. Like when you look at 
what they did and then what they did with what they bought, right? Like that they took a thing and they made that thing integrated into the operating system more powerful than it ever has been before rather than like we're going to buy these people, this technology is going to die and it might surface somewhere else in some crumbs later on, you know, like which is yeah. maybe some of the ways that it's been in the past. And again, like time will tell, but you know. Yeah, I don't mean to say that that Apple hasn't made acquisitions in the past and you've been able to see visible pieces of them. They bought CoverFlow and put that in a bunch of places. They bought SoundJam and made it into iTunes, although that was a completely different interface when they did that. Um, we just know that it originated as SoundJam, but it was not SoundJam anymore. Um, but it, it happens rarely. And I think, yeah, I think the key here is this is this is how a healthy platform owner uses the um, ingenuity of the platform in a in a good way, which is some of the stuff you build for your platform or platforms that third parties are going to do, it's not in the core interest. And you're like, great, I'm glad you're doing that. You're serving a narrow audience with it. Awesome. Then there are the things where, as a platform owner, you look at it and say, oh, that's really good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why? And when we saw Workflow for the first time, we're like, oh, like, they that should, that should be. <laughs> why is that not part of the system? And to Apple's credit, what happened here is basically what should have happened, which is somebody at Apple looked at that and said, that's really great. It should be better. The only way it's going to be better is if we integrate it into the system. Let's buy it and and bring those guys in and and do that. And they did that. And that's like that is that is optimal here is that if you see anything that um as Apple, if you see anything that the third parties are doing because there's a lot of experimentation out there and people are trying to find like different ways that Apple hasn't thought of or that Apple hasn't prioritized to do something. And then something catches fire and you're Apple and you look at it and you have that ability to say, is this something that it would be benefit beneficial for us to kind of like take it over? Um, and ideally not for us to copy it, the Sherlocking kind of thing, for us to copy it and put, and, and ruin it, which mm-hmm. uh, Sherlocking gets overstated because generally when Apple um, duplicates a feature that's in third-party stuff, they do a simplified version of it that is meant for mainstream use and that all of the people who are the kind of hardcore, diehard users of that product look at Apple's implementation and are like, no, that's not, like, I, no, I don't want to do that. It's very rare that Apple just completely... Uh, duplicates functionality and destroys a product. It happens, but it, it's rare. But better is for them to be like, those people figured out something super important that we should do, and who better to do it than those people? And so I'm very happy that this happened because it's it's the right approach. It's the ideal approach for a situation like this. Um, I really like, so I've been kind of tooling around with this, and I really like the way that they surfaced the series suggestion stuff. Um, so like when you're going through the app, there's just a, when you type, when you tap in the search box, it brings up some different category options. And one of them is series suggestions. And you tap that and it shows you the list of stuff you've recently been doing, right? So you can see a bunch of things and then you can start like building some stuff that way. And I really like that. So you can quickly, quickly grab actions and it helps you with the shortcuts that you're building. And I'm thinking as well, like, I'm keen to see because I haven't used any application yet that is giving those buttons, you know, like we can hit a button to like add to shortcuts. So I don't know right. how that stuff like integrates, but the categorization of everything seems really good. Like just looking through stuff, it's helping me think up some new things. Like one thing that I'm really, what well, I really like, I 
Um, sometimes I struggle to wake up in the morning. I've always been that way. So I set like maybe like five alarms, right? Just over different time periods. Uh, because I also, um, because I can be a, a sleepy head, uh, I find myself turning off the alarm, like not just snoozing it, right? Like some action will make me turn off the alarm and then well, I've now I've slept through the alarm. So it was frustrating, you know, like you go into the app and you like hit all the five things. Well, I've now set up a shortcut that I can activate via Siri, which is just turn on my alarms. And it just turns on five alarms. And then I have one to turn oh. off my alarms. And it turns off five alarms. And it's like, I've now just saved all this frustration every single day. Like where I would open the clock app and like tick, tick, tick. And when this comes to the home pod, I'll just do it as I'm getting up from the sofa <laughs> yeah. and going to bed. Just like, oh, I telephone, set my alarms. And it will just do it for me. Like, I won't even need to have the phone in my hand. And, you know, like, I won't need to do anything specific. I won't need to think about it because the HomePod's so good at understanding everything. I'll just shout that out and then go to bed. Or what I'll probably will end up doing, Jason, is create a whole thing with my uh, scenes in HomeKit as well, where I just say, like, hey, Siri, it's bedtime and it will turn off all the lights that I want in the in the house, turn on the lights at a low level in the bedroom, set my alarms for me. Like, this is what I want. Like, this is me being able to, as we spoke about before, use some very simple programming tools to make Siri work the way I want it to. It's wonderful. Yeah. It, the uh, Federico has been uh, tweeting some stuff uh, that that I was very impressed with. Like he has shortcuts to basically say uh, for toggle his time tracker yep. to say what, what, what project am I currently tracking? And, and then Siri tells him and also lets him start and stop a timer. And that's all via Siri. Um, he's got a, basically setting a scene, which was, it's a hilarious example, but the idea that, you know, it, he will dim the lights and, <laughs> <laughs> turn on the the music and turn on do not disturb and like all these things for it's it's like it's time for we'll say romance How romance about yeah yeah um and that that was a pretty great example um he's got a shortcut that will in apple music uh adds a song to a shared playlist grabs a link to a song sends it to a contact all happens inside a siri doesn't open shortcuts doesn't do anything like there's and that's another piece of this that i really like that i had anticipated might happen which is on workflow every time you trigger it it basically opens the app and then you watch it run mm -hmm. which is inelegant like i i don't when i run an apple script the script editor doesn't open and show me the script editor. When I run an automator action, automator doesn't open and show me the steps that it's going through. But that's how workflow worked. Um, Shortcuts still does that if you're, you know, using it from a share extension. And I, I actually kind of hope eventually that goes away because I don't want to see it. I just mm -hmm. want it to do what I want. But in Siri, that happens. In Siri, it just kind of does it when you trigger it by a Siri. And then it's beautiful. Perfect. Hey, there it goes. <laughs> there it goes. This is the problem. Yep. Um, Best I love you is what I'm saying. Our friend uh, Guillermo Rambo, who's at underscore inside, friend of the show, has created a website called ShareCuts, which is sharecuts.app, which is it's pretty bare bones at the moment, but I understand that he's doing some work to, to kind of broaden it out, which is going to be featuring people that share shortcuts that they're creating. These types of things will be really good resources, I think. Like, Apple's going to have their own 
like, and they're still going to be there, right? Their own examples of what you can do. But some of the super, super nerdy stuff, that needs to come from super, super nerds, right? And right. You can, there's, some, there's some stuff on there already that you can take a look at. Um, and you can upload them as well. Like, so you, if, you, if you've created a shortcut, you can upload it. Um, I'm really excited to see how all of this sort of stuff starts to come together. One of the best things about user automation stuff is that you, if there's a community around it, you don't have to start from scratch. Like some of the, the, the best scripts and other things that I've done have been adapted from things I've found from mm-hmm. friends, from people on the internet. So having something like this as a resource is great because, yeah, you you may not be a shortcut builder wizard, right? Mm-hmm. But if you find something that is close to what you want, you could you can add it yes. and then edit it and say, oh, that's how they're doing that and then put together the thing that does exactly what you want. And that's the beauty of stuff like this is yep. being able to do that because you probably won't find something that does exactly what you want, but you will find something that has pieces in it that you can take and apply and make the thing that you want. And that's that's where you go from being a kind of just a, a user who wants to do some automation and might not be able to raise, you know, go above that bar of being sort of a, an expert automation person but you can get the result that you need without being one like i'm gonna um take federico's new toggle actions if he's changed them and adapt them like i did the last ones right and, and that because that's something that i'm able to do i can i can't necessarily work out how to do everything but when i can take one of the like it was workflows now shortcuts i can take one that somebody else has made and i look at how it works and i watch the steps i can work out how to customize it but like for me, sometimes just like trying to build it from the beginning is tricky. But that's what's so cool about this stuff is the more people that make things, the more people that share things, the more it helps everyone because you can help more people understand how to use it. Like, I mean, it's always tricky when you're excited about something to judge how it will ultimately result. But this feels really important to me, like in, in a really big way. Um, and I'm very, very, very excited about it. Yeah, I, I think... It's uh, it's gonna be great, and as you mentioned, the HomePod, um, with the Apple, Apple Watch. Watch, yep, yeah, that that's all just kind of like it's all rolling together. Then where you you built your, uh, you've built your shortcuts and you've got access to them wherever you are and wherever Siri is, and that's the the potential there is pretty enormous. There was also Jason uh, a report from Ming Chi Kuo, um, who who's not at KGI Securities anymore. No, he went off on his own, and there was one of those things of like he's also he's not going to just focus on Apple anymore. He's going to focus on other things, which is funny because it's like Mark Gurman going to Bloomberg. It's like Mm -hmm. yeah, he's going to do other things, but he's also going to do Apple. Well, same same here. Ming Ming Chi Kuo off doing doing a different thing. Still has all the best Apple supply chain sources. So here we go. Uh, He's reporting that the next iPhone models will finally feature some color. Now there's a there's a couple of options here, so let me run through them because it gets a bit confusing. So apparently the new 6.5 inch, which is the 10 but plus sized, right? Yeah. So we'll iPhone call it, 10 plus. It's called a 10 say. plus for, for, for discussion today. Will come in black, white, and it will get a gold color option. Now in the report on 9 to 5 Mac, which is building off what Quo was talking about, there is no mention about what might happen color wise to the 5.8 inch phone, which is the current iPhone 10 size. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that this will also get black, white, and gold, right? Like, they will be the color options for these phones. Now, the 6.1-inch LCD phone, which is 
going to look like, so the reports are saying it's going to look like the, the iPhone 10. The reports are also saying it will get a dual SIM card slot and will feature Face ID and stuff, but has an LCD screen yeah. instead of a uh, OLED screen, but it's still bigger. So we'll call this the iPhone 9. We'll call this the iPhone 9. Uh, that will feature uh, a gray option, which let's assume that's gray. black, right? Or space, space gray. gray right? It's space gray. Mm-hmm. Who knows what it me- that means? There's 80 shades of space gray, but yeah. <laughs> not 50 shades. 80. Not 50 shades. 80. It keeps going. It keeps going. Yeah. So there's oh, going to yeah. be space gray, white, blue, red, and orange. Jo- Johnny I's favorite color is my understanding. I'm excited. This is interesting, too, because it may be, you know, they're trying to differentiate that this is the more kind of mass market. It's not the super luxe high-end iPhone X. Um, it's the iPhone 9 and uh, fun colors at launch. I, I've been saying this. I was going to say, I've been complaining about this for a long time. More color, more color in the iPhone line, please. Mm. Like iPods with colors were so much fun. And Apple has just, you know, they've been like, well, what if we did a space gray? And what if we did a gold or a rose gold? Great. But, um, and then they, de- they did the product red and it, it was beautiful, but it was uh, half step like six months later. So coming out the door, with blue and red and orange, which, as we know, Stephen Hackett proved to us is Johnny Ive's favorite color. Um, awesome. That sounds great. I'm I'm a little disappointed that these are only going to be in the iPhone 9, as which we are going to call it. Which is not the we'll buy, right? Because like, it's not, not the one I'm going to buy. Mm-hmm. Can I have, before we go on, can I, can I do a, um, uh, can I ask you, we've done this before, but I want to check in with you now. That new, assuming there is a an update to the 5.8 inch, the iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. Are they just going to call it the iPhone 10? All new iPhone 10? Or are they going to call it something else? 10S. 10S. Interesting. XS. Which will look strange as XS, but I think they'll go with 10S. I, I don't I don't think they're at the point right now where they would just keep calling it the 10. I don't know. I, I guess it depends what they do. We'll revisit this when it comes time for us to do the iPhone draft, but I think that this is the perfect time for them to just stop and say, as long as it looks like this, it's the iPhone 10. This is the new iPhone 10, the 2018 iPhone 10, and it's got new features um, rather than, you know, because then they have to go to the iPhone 11 and the X disappears. And I guess they could do that, but I don't know. It seems weird. Um, we'll see. I mean, they could just iPhone 11, <laughs> the X disappeared, but I, I just, I kind of can't see it. I, I wonder if that this, as long as it looks like this, if that's what they're going to call it. But um, we'll come back to that. There was also, there was a little more news about, about, pricing which you know as we all know you gotta take with a bigger grain of salt because supply chain doesn't really do pricing they they you can make some guesses about like the cost of the parts and what that means for price tiers but i think that outside of cupertino you're gonna have a hard time guessing what the actual the price is going to be but let's assume that, that, that Quo has good enough sources to try and at least approximate it. But he's saying that the 6.5-inch, which is the the 10 Plus, will take the $1,000 price point that the 10 had. The 10S will see a small price drop, let's assume, like 900 um, And the 6.1-inch, yeah. which is the 9, right? It's what we're calling the 9. Mm-hmm. The LCD phone will sell for 700 I mean... That all makes sense to me, right? Like it seems like it seems pretty logical. Um, that if they have an update to the ten, which is mostly just internal stuff, they probably won't keep selling it for a thousand. 
And if they have a new phone, they might want to start that at a thousand, right? Because then the big phone becomes uh, becomes the most expensive, and then they bring in seven hundred dollars for the for the kind of the one in look only. Um, that all makes sense to me, uh, honestly, Jason. I'm not sold on the idea of them making color versions. Huh. I think it would be great. I'm not convinced that it will happen. Because they only did this one time with the iPhone and it didn't work. Right? On the 5C. Yeah. Yeah. That product didn't work because it never came back. Yeah. I think the question is what is on the back and is that like anodized aluminum or the or the the glass um and what it looks like but I don't know I'm I'm intrigued that colors is a possibility I would love to see it and um we're going to be between now and and September we're going to be um continuing to wonder about like what the names are and what the price points are because the $700 price point that's where the iPhone 8 is now but keep in mind that this is a um the 6.1 so it's a little bit bigger than a, an iPhone 8 but the idea here is that the I think the the, the theory is that the 9 the 8 and 8 plus go away mm-hmm. or or get pushed down on the price list and that there isn't a 9 and a 9 plus there's just a 9 and it's and it looks kind of like the ten, but it's LCD. It's a little bigger than the nine, but smaller than the nine plus. And if you want the really big one, you need to go get the ten plus. Um, and that's that's interesting, unto itself. Um, tweaking the line a little bit, and along with presumably keeping older products in the product line. So we'll have to see. But um, I hope they're colors. Um, but I will be sad as somebody who is not going to buy an iPhone nine. I would much rather buy an iPhone ten, or ten plus, or ten s or whatever um then then get the nine but i like to see color i want more color in all of apple's products and i know there are lots of complicating factors and there are lots of reasons but i would love it if there were more color options on every single thing that apple sells i completely agree with you i just have my hopes dashed too many times <laughs> yeah oh no i know this is like uh, like when we did the draft and there were certain things we didn't draft because it was like oh, i won't be fooled again <laughs> <laughs> and then you know when it happens you'll be you'll be ecstatic and it will be a uh, it'll be a best i love you situation for sure this episode of upgrade is brought to you by backblaze the unlimited cloud backup for macs and pcs the starts at just five dollars a month you can sign up today for a 15-day free trial with no credit card required just by going to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast if you have anything important on your computer, you've probably thought at some point, I should back up this stuff at some point. That feels like something that I should do. That seems responsible. The problem with doing this at some point, or the problem with doing this soon, is it just never happens. Check out Backblaze today, right now, and finally get it checked off of your list. Because Backblaze will back up your documents, your music, your photos, your videos, your drawings, your projects, everything you need. All of the important stuff that lives on your computer will be backed up. And once it is, you can access all of your data anywhere in the world, even from your phone. I've done this a couple of times. I'm a very happy Backblaze customer where I realize I need a project. Um, I need some kind of file. I'm like, where I save that? Did I put that in Dropbox? Oh, no. I left it on my desktop. It doesn't matter because Backblaze has it because it's always uploading everything that I have safely to them. And then if you need to restore one file, Backblaze can do that. Or if you need to restore everything in one go, they can do that too. And if you have so much stuff that it's going to kill your connection to do it or it's going to take too much time than you need, 
then they can even ship you a hard drive with all of your data on. And once you've restored everything, send the drive back to them and they'll refund you the cost of that. Backblaze have restored over 30 billion files for their users. That's an average of 1 million files per hour that they are restoring for their customers. So you can see people that use Backblaze, they also need to restore stuff, which means things go wrong. That's why you need Backblaze. It's gimmick-free. There's no additional charges, and it's just $5 a month for full backups. And upgrade listeners can get a 15-day free trial right now just by going to backblaze.com. That's B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E.com slash upgrade podcast, or one word. Go there now, get your system in order, and be backing up today. That's backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast so they know that you came from this show, which helps support us. And don't forget about business backup as well. If you use Backblaze at home, tell your system admin at work. They can go to the same URL, backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast, and hit the business backup link at the top of the page, and they can find out more there. Our thanks to Backblaze for their support of this show. Seriously, go and back up your stuff. Should we do some hashtag ask upgrade? I think we must. Thank you for the lasers. The first question this time comes from Rob. Rob wants to know, three of you use the iWork apps like pages and numbers? I do. I use um, I use numbers for all of my charts for six mm-hmm. colors mm-hmm. because they're pretty. Um, I really wish I could automate, speaking of user automation, I really wish I could automate that. Um, cause I have to, when I was, uh, when I was traveling and Apple's numbers came out the last time I just had my iPad and I was taking screenshots and cropping them in screenshots. And on my Mac, it's the same way I'm taking screenshots. I can't like just export, export this chart, export this. I, it doesn't do that. So that's frustrating, but I do use it and the charts are, are very pretty. I never use pages. Um, and I haven't given a presentation in a while, but when I do, I always use Keynote because I find Keynote to be the best. Yeah, I don't use Keynote very much because I don't do presentations, but I use numbers for a bunch of simple charts that I like. It's because like, I use Excel for comp- some complicated stuff. We use Google Sheets for stuff we can share, but numbers is good for like simple tasks. And I use pages basically every single day to draw up contracts and stuff like that. That's what I use. I use pages because if I need to, I can export it in Word anyway. And I like to use pages because it's simple and it's and it's, it's easy to use. That's, that's why I use it constantly. Um, Robin has asked, I'm considering setting up an Apple family sharing system so my wife doesn't have to use my account anymore. Does she have to re-download all of the apps on her phone? Is it doable without a lot of hassle? I've been putting it off for years. Jason, you do this, right? You have a family sharing. Yeah. Um I think I don't I don't know. I think you can it's it's a problem. Um I you we used to use one iTunes account for app purchases, which was mine. And so when we went to family sharing, that was okay because all the apps were on my device, and so it was okay. Um with the App Store you can be logged in to a different account in the app store than everything else. Um, so you could set it up so that you were using family sharing for everything else, but not for the app store. And then keep if, cause if you've got two people who have a completely different set of apps that they're using, um, I may be missing something. I don't know if there's a way for you to, 
migrate an Apple ID. Well, the way it works is it's not a new Apple ID. You're migrating their Apple ID in. Oh no, actually, it's fine because when you're in, <laughs> once you're in family sharing. Sorry, I I, I got there eventually. Um, the beauty of it is you're not getting a new ID. Um, your um, you so if you've got two different accounts with different apps, when you put them in the same family, you get access to all the apps that were purchased by anybody in the family. If you've got one account that has all the apps and you you have a new Apple ID and it goes into the family, that that ID can see all the apps that were purchased by the other ID and download them. So so um, I think she might have to re-download some apps, although I think maybe not um, all of them. Over time, um, they would just update because it's all part of the family group. So I think the answer is you could do this. It wouldn't be a lot of hassle. It should work. The big problem is in-app purchases because in-app purchases often will not function across family if group they're consumable users, ones especially if they're consumables yep. which is like so my yeah so so that that can be a problem if you like buy a game and then pay to have the ads go away and then you give it to your child and you restore purchase and it says i can't do that and then you got to pay again so that I, that's happened to us but um sorry to be so circuitous about it apple's actually done the right thing here because i can think i can visualize it that i can look at the apps like even in updates and purchased and i can see all the members of my family so like if if my um if i'm on my wife's iphone and she's trying to get an app that i already bought i can actually go to purchased and tap on my name and see my purchased history and then add those in, and it just does the right thing. Um, Kenneth wants to know: Do you think Apple's upcoming streaming service will be integrated into the Videos app or the TV app or whatever it's called now? That's already included with iOS, just like how Apple Music was integrated into the Music app. Yep, the TV app, and that's why I think it's yep. probably going to be called Apple TV. And I think the TV app they've built, uh, at least in part, with this in mind that they want everybody in the TV app. They want apps with their content to feed in there. They want live in the TV app. They want everything in the TV app. So of course, that's where their service will live. Whatever they call it, it will be in the TV app for sure. hundred percent, I would say. Like that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Matthias says, as asked, uh, my grandfather has an iPad Pro that he uses occasionally, but he doesn't love using a touchscreen. I was wondering if it would be worth it to get him an Apple Pencil or if you have another stylus you would recommend for his purpose. I would say Apple Pencil 100% because, well, it's, yes, it is the most expensive, but it works the best. Um, it, it is very responsive. It's comfortable to hold. And I use my Apple Pencil with my iPad like this all the time as a way to just use navigation. Uh, it's it's nice because the, the point is so fine. You know, it's such a small tip that you're using. It's very easy to activate buttons and stuff where previous styluses that I'd used... They're not really, they're kind of just like a big finger and it's like not as comfortable, not as easy to use. Doesn't feel as nice because it's got that rubbery tip, not the hard plastic tip. And considering it already has an iPad Pro, I think that's that, that, that an Apple Pencil would be a really nice addition. Yeah, I think if you've got an iPad Pro, it's the only choice. Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, if that, if that, um, if that other uh, the the crayon, little, little, uh, crayon crayon thing was available widely, I would say that would be worth looking at. But it, it only works with the one iPad and isn't available widely, so I would say it needs to be the Apple Pencil. It's totally worth it. It is, but it it, it functions so much better than all of the other ones do. And if you've got an iPad Pro, then it's made for it. Jason. Mike has asked if uh, either of us have a favorite sports score app for the Apple Watch that updates <laughs> information in a complication. 
Uh, you currently use a sports alert, but this doesn't work very well. Do you have anything that you use? I have nothing, but do you use anything like this, or have you seen anything like this? Um, I don't. Uh, I have been disappointed with the sports apps that I've used on Apple Watch because they don't update reliably. Um, so I don't, I don't have any suggestions here, unfortunately. So there, sorry, Mike. There may be a good, uh, there may be a good thing for Mike coming in Watch OS five though, because one of the Siri watch face improvements is live sports scores. So you'll be yeah, able to good. kind of somehow tell the OS what your favorite uh, sports teams groups are uh <laughs> spoken sp- like a true sport fan sports lover uh Yay. you can t- kind of tell it what your, your favorites are it will understand from what you're asking it and it will update that information for you can but- we reveal can we reveal that you're such a big sports fan that during your wedding reception the england world, world cup semi-final or mm-hmm. quarterfinal p- match was going on yeah, simultaneously with your wedding reception, and there was no and, TV for anybody to watch it. And no TV for anyone to watch it. It was it was actually I streamed some of it on my phone. Our wedding planner asked if we wanted to put a TV in the room, and I said no, uh, because my thinking was if people want to wa- look at it on their phone, they can do that. But I'm not taking the uh, I'm not going to take the attention away from our wedding uh, because it would more people would be interested in watching the football if there was a TV in the room. Than there are if there weren't. And the people who cared, you know, first off, it was on the BBC. You could literally just stream it. Um, and then I like I was talking to Shahid about uh, about it. I gave him score updates, <laughs> and he was happy. He was so nervous because you know I'm I'm an American. I'm I I'm pulling for England, and that's great. But it's you know it's not my country. Um, but Shahid was like super nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was able to give him, he like, didn't, he was like, I don't even want to watch it. Like I just, so I gave him some scoring updates and it wasn't that exciting a game apparently. And England won two nil and it was all fine, but I'm just saying sport, not your thing. But yeah, I know that there were some people who were watching it on their phones and stuff like that. And I was totally cool with that, but I wasn't going to turn my wedding day over to the football, but I have heard though, Jason, that, uh, it's coming home football. That's coming home. Apparently. It's Apparently, the football has been traveling a- around a lot. It's got a bunch of stickers on it Tom from Zook. various locations, and it, it yeah, it needs to come home and do some laundry. Yep, there's just no more football. Anyway, uh, Frank, <laughs> final ask upgrade question: uh, If new iPads with Face ID are announced in 2018, how do you suppose Apple will address the fact that today's Face ID requires portrait orientation? So. I'd seen a tweet fly by sometime during the WWDC madness, right, that occurs, uh, with a slide on an AR kit session that was talking about using the true depth camera for face tracking. And it mentioned about multiple orientations. So in AR kit, the new version of AR kit, you could work out a face in multiple orientations. And I thought to myself, hmm, how? Because it can't do that, mm-hmm. right? It, face ID can't do it, but the true depth camera is Face ID. So I thought that was very interesting. This isn't necessarily saying that Face ID will be able to work in landscape, but it most certainly hints at a possibility for it, which I believe is the only way they can put this into the iPad. It has to work in landscape or portrait. I do not believe they're going to put multiple cameras on it because in theory right. you would then need to put four because you can use the iPad in all four orientations, for, like, and that's a yeah. normal thing. So I'm expecting that's the case, and I'm 
very confident about the fact that there will be an uh, an iPad with Face ID uh, in it this year. That's because Steve Trant Smith and uh, Mr. Rambo, as previously mentioned earlier in the show, they've both found hints. So uh, Steve found something called Avatar Kit in baked into the iPads version of iOS. Avatar Kit is the view that you see Animoji in when you look at all the Animoji at once. That's somehow referred to as Avatar Kit somewhere in the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, Guillermo Rambo found the Face ID setup UI for iPad. So it's all in there. Yeah. They're going to do it, and I believe it's going to be this this year. Yeah, so that the answer to Frank is, um, how will they do it? They will... They will make sure that the hardware and software will support either orientation on yep. an iPad. That's how they will do it. And there will be a notch. <laughs> and we know there will be a notch because if you look at iOS 12, you can see that Apple is very, very much pushed all status data to the corners <laughs> already. But right? added a date, though, like, which is like my favorite thing. I love, I, I love I like having that a date too. there. So we'll see. But it, it certainly looks like all signs are pointing toward toward that and i agree with you i have a hard time believing that they're going to ship it and say nope every time you want to unlock your ipad you must hold it upright even if it's in the smart keyboard nope you got to hold it upright to unlock it and i don't i just they're not going to do that no it would be bananas or multiple cameras seems silly to me yeah that seems like a waste of because uh, you think of how expensive that that you know one it said one of the reasons that the iphone 10 costs it what it costs is because of all the sensors and all the technology. What are you going to put two or four of those in there? Sell the iPad for $4,000? I don't think so. Right? Like, I, I just imagine they have to at some point make this work in multiple orientations, right? And I figure that they would not release an iPad with the Face ID before they do this because it would be nice, but it is not imperative that they do this. Like there are there are lots of other hardware changes you could make to make iPads nicer before you put Face ID on them as much as I want it but like you don't have to do it this year if you can't get the orientation stuff right so I'm confident so um because this is the last episode um of any show that I'm going to be on in real time at least between now and the beginning of August and it's the only show I'm recording after the fact that I got the fact after the event in which I got married, I figured that we may as well talk a little bit about my wedding today for anybody that is so inclined to be interested. Yeah, so we're going to do a uh, Mike at the movie style, Mike at the matrimony um, <laughs> after this break. And this is, we're not going to talk about any more tech stuff today. Uh, so if you're not interested in hearing about my wedding, which I totally understand because whatever you can, you can come back next time. We got a bunch of amazing other stuff plan throughout the rest of the summer of fun we have some mm-hmm. surprise guests here or there some special episodes here or there uh we've put together some really fun stuff that we've been working on for a while so the rest of the summer of fun is going to be a lot of fun, of fun for everyone yeah there will be there will be a surprise guest or three there will be i can i can guarantee in the next couple of weeks there will be another episode with mike's voice yep that we pre that we pre-recorded so you will hear mike He's not going away until August entirely. Uh, and there will also be an episode where, where it's me and a special guest. So there'll be, and who knows what other surprises might be in store for the summer of fun as it rolls on. But first, we have to talk about Mike getting married after we hear about Squarespace. How about that, Mike? I set I you it. up. 
Make your next move with Squarespace. Let you easily create a website for your next idea with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates, and so much more. They are the place that you want to go to get your next project online. You could create a blog, an online store, a portfolio. They are an all-in-one platform that will let you to build just about any type of website, like a website for your wedding, which I did on Squarespace. It had all of the information that all of our guests needed. It had... And we used a wedding template, which had all of the pages we might need. So it was really easy to set up something beautiful. We could put it behind a password, which we did in case, because, mm-hmm. you know, we just wanted to keep that information to ourselves. So you could put it behind a password. And you can even do stuff really easily in Squarespace, just with some toggles, to hide it from Google searches as well. Like really simple and easy stuff, which I wouldn't know how to do otherwise, but Squarespace has it. They had all the page structure there that we needed. So we could think, oh, we're going to need a page for this. Or, oh, we're going to need a page for this. Super awesome, really, really happy with it, um, as I always am and have been for years. Squarespace have got everything covered for you. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade. They have 24-7 customer support, beautiful templates, domain name registration. They have the whole kit and caboodle over at Squarespace. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash Upgrade. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code UPGRADE to get 10% of your first purchase for a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash upgrade and the code UPGRADE to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So it is Tuesday today and I got married yep. on Saturday um, uh-huh. and it was, it was a wonderful affair. Um, we had... 100 guests uh, for the whole day. And we had like a, an additional maybe five or 10 people that joined us in the evening portion. We had two venues. We had a beautiful venue, which was this old uh, chapel, which used to be a chapel. Now it's like an event space, but it was all kind of beautifully run down. It's wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we put everybody on some two double-decker buses and we took them over to a bar restaurant that we'd hired out um, over in central London. Uh, we everything went perfectly. Um, it was an amazing day for many reasons. I loved having pretty much all of my family and friends in one place. Never happened before. Even to just have all of the friends that I had there has never happened before. It's the first time you met Brad, right? Yes, I think so. Right, so like stuff like that, like. Just yeah. so many people that I had never had interact with each other, um, which was wonderful, and that made the day even more special for me that I could stand and I was, you know, giving my speech at the meal time and was able to see all of my family and friends and everyone got to meet my mom and yeah, it was it was an absolutely wonderful day. Um, it was lovely to have everyone in town. We did a bunch of things. We went on the London Eye together and stuff like that. It was nice to be able to see my friends in person and not have jet lag because that doesn't happen very much. Everybody else had it, which was funny. We've had lovely weather in London. Uh, maybe maybe a little on the hot side in places. A little hot. But, but I prefer that to it raining. Um, I prefer it being hot because we could deal with that a lot easier and it didn't affect yeah. uh, most of the day. I did laugh when I removed all of our raincoats from the bottom of our suitcase uh, this morning. Ah. That that we we were in Europe for two weeks and we're, we're not rained on at all. Nope. Nor were we 
really ever cold. One of the first mornings in Amsterdam, we were sitting in a plaza in the shade and we put on our sweatshirts. And after that, that was it. We didn't put the sweatshirts on again until we were on the plane. Yeah. And uh, I... I was overwhelmed by everything. Still am a little bit. I'm still kind of trying to get my head around <laughs> it all. Like even just, you know, we we posted some like a couple of pictures and stuff, and um, people, everyone's being so nice. Like just so many hundreds of comments and stuff. Congratulations! Like I don't even know what to do with them all. Like I've I've read them all, but it's like impossible to to communicate. You know, at that scale, uh, it's been. It's been a wonderful few days. I'm riding a real high right now, uh, as you can imagine. It's, you know, I love Adina very much, and uh, obviously, and it, it was just nice for us to be able to like celebrate our relationship with all the people we care about. It was, uh, you know, as it should be, was just a wonderful day. It was wonderful. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. It was a uh, it was a great group. It was literally, I mean, it wasn't every relay host, but it was a good number. It was a large host. I think pretty much everyone that I host a show with at least was there, and and more so. You know, yeah. Um, we have we're waiting on pictures. We'll share more pictures once we have them. We're waiting on like the uh, photographers' photos, you know, to come through. Yes. And Although if some of if you follow if you follow me and John Syracusa and Marco and Tiff Arment yeah. and you know and Casey Liss and if you follow those people on Instagram especially, you you've gotten a pretty good sense. Yeah. Of, everybody's been posting stuff, which of course is cool to you know, like we had no problem with that. But like we waited though. We yeah. waited for you to was, like open yeah. the floodgates. So there's a funny moment where So basically anyone that's listened to the stuff it's me talking about this stuff for a while we kind of just decided that we would keep all of this stuff to ourselves um because it was our day right like we just wanted to keep the locations and the date and all that kind of stuff to ourselves um and it was really funny like as people were starting to like arrive in london there was like triangulation right like mm-hmm. this person's coming from the same you know and like it, that was quite fun it's like people were working out like when it was going to be and then we sit down for dinner and nobody's really posted anything right and, and that wasn't like in my mind like as long as people weren't necessarily like saying, "Oh, we're we're here," right? Like it's such and such place. I had no problem people posting pictures. But I sat down and we were kind of just finishing our uh, starters or something at the meal, and I thought to myself, "Me and Adina should. should I want to. I want to post a selfie." So we took a picture of ourselves and announced ourselves to the world as Mister and Mrs. Hurley because she's going to be Adina Hurley now. Um, and I posted it, and then all of a sudden, I start getting tagged in photos on Instagram. Because everybody else who's just kind of like looking on Instagram or wanting to post stuff is seeing that we've posted it. So now people can stop we're starting to post their pictures. That was really fun. And it was another moment as well, like where uh, everybody was leaving after the party was over. And like I could see like people were in like taxis or on trains and stuff and they're kind of like traveling back. And then they start posting their own pictures of the day. Uh, and there was somebody who tweeted at me, which really made me laugh, said, oh, like, you see the embargo was lifted. Because yes. it was just like you and Federico and Steven and like um, like b- lots of people tweeting about it. It was really fun. Um, and it's, you know, it has been, in, I found a new feature on Instagram, which I didn't know exist. You can, you can there's a little, uh, like a bookmark icon on the bottom right hand corner of, of images, right? Like it sits underneath the image and you can hit that and it saves it to a, pri- like it bookmarks it for you privately. But you can also create collections of images. So. Wow. 
as all of my friends have been posting their photos on Instagram of like either being at the wedding or being in London or of the like other events that they've done with like other groups of our friends and stuff. I've been saving them all to a private collection, which nobody can see them. They can't be shared. It's just for me of just our wedding. So I have this whole like thing on Instagram of just these pictures that our friends have been taking. It's really nice. Um, and uh, I love being able now to look through and see it all. And I can't wait for all of our official photos to come through and like, to look through and see everyone. We had a uh, we had a photo booth, which was really fun. Um, and so everyone got to get pictures and they were printed out for them. But then we also have this book, which I actually didn't know that the photo booth company provided. But every time somebody took pictures in the booth, an extra copy was taken off and was glued in a book for us. And then people That's wrote right. messages in. And that is... That is a cherished possession of mine now. Isn't that a great? That was, yeah. I mean, instead of like signing a guest book or something like that, it was the the uh, the guy with a photo booth, and he would he would glue a picture after it came out. You get one for everybody who was in the booth, plus the extra, and the extra went in the book, and then they handed you a sharpie, basically mm-hmm. a big felt marker, and we got to write uh, little messages to you, and that was fun. And you and I went in the photo booth, which was hilarious. Yep. I got my Mexican yep. uh, wrestler, my lucha libre mask, mm-hmm. and. You had, I don't even know what you had. It was like a, uh, some kind of like old theater mask. Like a, I don't yeah, know, they've got yeah. a name. It's oh like, yeah, it was the creepy one with yeah, the long nose, the long, nose long curved nose. Yeah, that was super creepy. That, 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 those are fun because it's sort of like, number one, we don't know what we're doing. Number two, we have a pose. Number three, we're completely confused. And number four, we just just are smiling. Yep. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. My my kids did them. Yes, they yeah, were great. Was, I, got, I got a picture signed by literally, as they say in the book, the snail children, which was fun yes. for me. <laughs> Um, and we are going to be at some point in over the next week, we're going to get digital images. So every photo was taken in the, in the photo book they sent to us. So we have oh, them nice. all digitally as well. So awesome. we can, we can share awesome. them with, with the people that took that's them. Great. So that's going to be fun too. I, you know, I'm very clearly emotionally overwhelmed right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You can probably hear that throughout the show today that I am not at maybe my usual energy level uh, because kind of in every way like every type of energy i have has been depleted my physical and emotional energy is gone in the best possible way because we had an incredible day which is super busy and full of dancing right and uh and then i have seen so many people and have been wanting to spend as much time with people as i can family and friends and that is a very overwhelming thing but has led to the greatest week of my life. Like, this has been absolutely perfect. You know, I, I uh, everything was incredible. Um, and now we're about to go and have our reward, which is uh-huh. sitting on a beach, you know? Uh, so, yeah, it's been incredible. Uh, thank you to um, everyone for their wonderful well wishes. I can tell you it is another thing which is in the best possible way overwhelming, you know? Like, I posted, I mean, look, it's, I don't really want to sound like a tool, but like I posted our picture on Instagram and like I opened my phone again, like 20 minutes later or something. And it had over a thousand likes. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, like I've never, the, the you know, kind of the most likes on any image I've ever had before was like 1600 or something, which is the picture of yeah. Tim Cook with the Apple watch. But like, this is getting up to like 4,000 now, which is mind boggling to me. Like, it, it, to think that this amount of people uh, care is wonderful. Um, it makes everything, it generally does makes everything that little bit sweeter, you know? Because like, 
to to think that people are like you know the people that are in the room are happy for you right like that's the same as any wedding you know you those people are there they're happy for you but to see all of these other people to be happy for you is like it's wonderful so yeah that's yeah, it was a wonder it. yeah it was a wonderful time. It was wonderful to see all those people. It was fun to be on your home turf instead of mm-hmm. having you be over here to have all of us, yes, dealing with the jet lag. Although I was very happy to not have jet lag because I, I came. This was the end of my two-week-long European vacation with my family. So we were – it was so great to walk down streets in London and not be like, ooh, hazy jet lag yeah, feeling yeah, that I usually yeah. have when I go straight to London. Um and to see all those people, so many interesting people, people I know, people I, I, I knew on the internet but hadn't met in person. Um, that was a lot. That was really great. At one point, Don't Dream It's Over was playing uh, on, yep. the, on the sound system. And I, I chuckled at that because it was the uh, – I, I went back to when you and I talked about that album on Inquisitive and you gave me the classic line, I knew those songs because – my mom had that CD. Uh, <laughs> it's always a, always a good one. Um, yeah, it was it was yeah it was just an amazing collection of people. It's so rare that those happen uh, w- when you get everybody together like that, and so it's for a special occasion. But it's wonderful for all of us to to have been there and to have uh, shared that with you. And my only question is, so where do we all meet up again in two or three months? Because we're doing this now, right? We're just gonna always sure. a bunch of us are just gonna show up in a city somewhere. And uh, visit with each other. Well, every I'm going to see you in now, like right? two weeks. So that's true. You and I will. Uh, we we have another. Again, we're gonna. There needs to doesn't need to be a Reddit thread about trying to plot where Mike's honeymoon is. Please. <laughs> oh but, no, uh, we said that. It's we're, we're going to Hawaii and we're going for San Francisco. Uh, yes, I spoke okay. about it on that. Okay, one. good. That's fine. That's good because there was there was literally a Reddit thread trying to triangulate your wedding date. Yeah. yeah um, sorry. <laughs> They got they got it too. They got it's not, it. It's, yeah, it wasn't people hard. get married on Saturdays. Yeah. It's it's not that hard. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we get to see you because you're going to be passing through San Francisco to and from the uh, the honeymoon. So that'll mm-hmm. be fun. But um, yeah, it's just it's just funny because there have been these milestones of sort of like you know get get to see people for WWDC and the wedding and all that. And now uh, you know it's it's it was very special. I I would love uh, that to happen more often, but obviously we're all scattered all over the world, so it doesn't get to happen as often. But this was a this was a great. Uh, time and you know what here's the amazing thing um my kids had a pretty good time too my son was a little bored i've been bored at weddings as a kid too and i know it but um but my daughter had a great time she's well i was very pleased about that actually because it looked like she did because i was worried that some of the older kids wouldn't have fun um so i was really happy that she did because it looked like she did and i was really pleased about once once the music started like she knows all the songs good i have if if i've passed anything to my daughter except the romanian uh, songs Probably. It is a love for well, yeah. At that point, at that point, we followed James Thompson, who literally brought a chair out onto the street <laughs> and sat down outside um, as the Romanian song started. And we're like, okay, uh, we'll just listen from out here. Um, but yeah, she was she was uh, she was really into it. So that was great too. That was a lot of fun to be there and have my family get to share that with you and your family. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful. If if you uh, have enjoyed hearing me talk about my life for whatever reason and you've not listened to Analog before. <laughs> <laughs> you should go listen There's to There's a analog. whole podcast about it. You folks. can go back if you want to and listen to the entire like planning of this wedding and all the ups and downs. It's, it's all in there. Um and I'll be uh I'm not obviously not gonna Casey's gonna be real upset because this is like prime analog stuff. I know. But I know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be back on the show for many, many weeks, so I figured I'd do this today and I'll talk to him about my honeymoon. How about that? 
Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much to our sponsors, MailRoute, Backblaze, and Squarespace. If you want to get involved with the show, hashtag SnellTalk, hashtag AskUpgrade for your opening questions and your technology questions at the end. You can find Jason. He is uh, hosts many shows at Relay FM. Go to relay.fm slash shows and you can see this show and many more. Um, you can find Jason over at sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com, and he's at jsnell on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason will be back next time. I don't know. Well, I won't be, but you might hear me. Who knows? Or will you? Who knows? Who knows? There's maybe some surprises in store. We'll find out. It's the great mystery of the summer of fun. But until then, have a good honeymoon, Mike Hurley, and say goodbye. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye, everybody.